Hey guys, Alex here. This episode is a little weird due to the fact that I am at Dallas Toy Fair launching my company's new tabletop gaming line. I am unable to be in LA and so me and Ben were unable to record the episode for this week. So instead we are releasing the very tail end of our five hour long top 100 episodes. So there will be the top 20 cards in modern history. Uh, please check that out. It's really cool. Um, and you don't have to listen to all of the other 80. Um, if you want to see some of this cool stuff I launched, make sure to follow me on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. Make sure to follow the podcast at the MMCast. Make sure to follow Ben at Ben Bateman Media. Make sure to check all of our friends at the Command Zone out uh, on rockjump.com, which is where we are as well. Uh, and check out our YouTube channel, all the cool stuff that we always talk about every week. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week when we start releasing new episodes on our regular scheduled program. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. Counting down from the top 20 of the set, 100 cards of all time. Let's do it. Get. Get. Hyped. 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 All right. I got it right here. I got it right here on my phone. Number 20 on the all-time modern list. We have a card that was a favorite in the deck I was building all last summer, Superior Burning Cocoa. A card originally that Kessler had even higher, believe it or not, on his list. I had to convince him to move it down. Remarkably powerful card, newer to the format, not identified immediately at printing as, as a modern powerhouse, but the replacement for one of the most powerful cards ever printed in modern, Four mana, collected company. Bum, bum, bum. Instant speed, one green, three colorless. Reveal the top, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put up to two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from those into play. This is a combo enabler. It allows you to search and put in cards that allow you to accelerate your, your Malira Kitchen Finks I mean, combo. How many Fenza. decks off the top of your head can you say exist because collected, com- collected company exists? A lot. Elves. Abzan Coco. Uh, Bant Coco. Coco Zoo. Coco. Coco Zoo. Coco Zoo. Superior Burning Superior Coco. Coco. <laughs> there's, all, there's all the weird variations the brews people come up with that are playing yeah. with Scab Ruinators and, and Mere Superians. That's the thing. Like There's a ver- various versions that show up. Right. So like the depth that this deck has kind of gotten to Coco Merfolk, by itself is insane for like a card that came out a year and a half ago. And Dominant and Standard. Yeah, dominant and standard. Like, this is definitely a, f- a format-defining card at this point. Um, super strong. Super happy is there. I don't know how much more can be said other than the fact that it's just really, 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 really I good. love it. I'm a really big fan of it. It's, like, one of my favorite cards. I think it's super fun to play with. Um, yeah, I think it's just really powerful. Shall we keep moving down the list? Yeah. The best, f- the best counterspell on the list, the best counterspell in, st- in modern, Remand. I knew it. One blue, one colorless, instant, counter-target spell. If that spell is countered this way, return it to its, your opponent's hand. Draw a card. Um, it's a counter. It's a it's a it's a tempo counter spell that is more commonly played now, even in, in modern than even mana leak. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is turn after turn three, the magic doesn't matter anymore. So remand's decent because trying to <laughs> magic <laughs> doesn't matter anymore. Huh? Um, drawing a card is really good. The versatility of being able to return a thing from your hand that they countered is always a fun thing to do. And counter mirrors, like it's, it's such a vers- versatile card. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's never going to do something slightly different. Um, I love Remand. Remand's great. It's one of my favorites. Um, it just feels so good to cast. Yep. You know, it's been good ever since it was in Ravnica. It's uh, 
innovative, powerful, uh, well, well designed. I was talking about this earlier. I like, I love the design on, on remand. I think it's a very elegantly designed card. The FNM foil of this is one of my favorite promo foils. It's awesome. <laughs> remand isn't a counter spell. It's a cantrip <laughs> from the chat. I have a stamped one of these that I got, uh, that I drafted in my MM, MM15 uh, day two draft when I was drafting with Paulo and uh, Paul Rietzel. Um, that oh, was my... From the Modern Masters? Yeah, in, the, set? Oh, in, cool. in like the end of the tournament. Uh, it, was, it was like Paulo and Rietzel and one other guy that I recognized and four people I didn't know. And I played like, I drafted Blue Red Elementals and I drafted a copy of this. Um, so I have like the little star, the little like Grand Prix. Sure. Uh, star on it. So someone mentioned remanding your own spells, the reason that uh, they'll say it's better than cryptic, but I will respond to that saying crypticing your own Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, it's so, super sweet. Pff, all right, all right, next card. I still prefer remand. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it's higher on the list. Okay, moving down the list, we have number 18, a card that was banned in modern. Number 18, 18, 18, 18. Banned in modern. Another card that was missed in modern for a short period of time before it was picked. That feels like it's the story with like so many cards, actually. Um, no, I thought I knew what you were going to say. One green, Phyrexian mana, three oh, colorless, no, artifact. It was pretty good in modern. Birthing pot. Uh, it took a little while. It took a little while for it to be known as the best deck that it was. Because yep. I think that's because it was the most difficult card in the format. I also think it took a while to figure out the exact list. Because it's like, the problem with birthing pod, building a birthing pod deck is like, Coming to the point of knowing what your deck should be doing is so complicated because literally every slot matters and could be anything. You can play any creature and can get it theoretically. So yeah. like Birthing Pod, obviously one of the most modern defining cards ever. It was around for a while too. It was legal for quite a while. It didn't, it didn't, this wasn't one season. It, it, it just ended up that there was the one season that Treasure Cruise was legal and that Pro Tour, right? That Pro Tour was just straight up like, Abzan, Birthing Pod, and Blue Red Delver. That was like the whole Pro Tour. And I think that was also where Amulet Bloom made such an impact. Um, did Summer Bloom get kicked off this list without me noticing? That I just agree to let it go? Yeah. You jerk. Yeah, Summer Bloom is no. It, like, for, a, for like six, a year maybe, it was like a, a, a deck that was good. But like, I don't even think that's the best card on that deck. We have other cards from that deck on that list. But back to Birthing Pod. It's interesting because Treasure Cruise wrecked the format by itself. Like yeah. it showed up completely. Delve completely changed the face of the format. Except Birthing Pod was still the best deck in the format. Yeah, it still ended up with Birthing Pod because they got Siege Rhino and it just became such an insane machine of just like value town. Yeah, that like was so hard to deal with. Um, then it got got banned out of the format. I will say to this day though that the the GPs before the ban list announcement were. The most diverse uh, Grand Prix top eights in the history of Ever. modern. Yeah, like it was like one Treasure Cruise uh, Delver deck. It's when you kind of left the, to the top thirty-two. It got kind of fell by the wayside. But like Merfolk, Birthing Pod, Delver, Scapeshift, uh, Twin, and like two other decks that I'm not even thinking of were were the top eight. And that's like eight different decks, and that really happens. Okay. Yeah. Affinity probably. Yeah, birthing oh, pod I think was great. Was really bad birthing pod was great, and birthing pod also had a lot of variety. You could you could do a lot of fun things. In the end, it was those Abzan ones were the ones that people played. But I mean, you could do a lot with it. There was oh, we mentioned earlier, Kiki Kiki, Kiki Pod was like the other deck that like literally, if you untapped with one creature in play, you probably won the game. 
one yeah. feature in Birthing Pod. There was a lot of fun things that I liked a lot. Like Birthing Pod, Phantasmal Image was one of my favorite things to combine together because you could turn like a bird into a clone. Um, I loved being able to turn Kitchen Finks into something awesome and then have Finks come back and then like activate your town. Well, I, love, I loved having Kitchen Finks in play, sacking a bird, getting a Phantasmal Image, making a Kitchen Finks. Yeah. So you can sack the Kitchen Finks as the thing to get something else. Or like. Yeah, there's so many cool things. There's awesome stuff. I mean, that's the thing. It's the saddest part about Birthing Pod leaving was that it uh, there was there was so or much play. Metamorph or yeah, there was yeah. so much play to the deck. It was such an interesting deck, and so it, the design was so cool. Um, it's actually while some bannings like Second Sunrise are, I think, good. This is one of those bannings that really kind of made me sad because it wasn't even I like Splinter think, Twin. I think Birthing Pod and Splinter Twin both are cards that got hit, and Bloodbraid Elf for that matter are all three cards that. I can see eventually coming off the ban list. Like, were mistakes based on Pro Tourness? Yeah, uh, Twin Twin to me is the one where I'm just like, that's that just, there's no getting around how powerful that's going to be. Pod was like, and Twin had a lot of play to it. I guess you're right in both cases. Let's keep moving down the list. Yeah. Um, number 17, guys, the best card out of Dark Ascension, Lingering Souls. The anti electrolyze Yeah, I mean, like, since the format was created, Lingering Souls has been a big deal. I mean, like, part of that is just how good it is against and with Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. And, like, the fact that a, Liliana can't beat this card, and B, when you have a Liliana and you... Like, it's the reason Abzan... Like, the Abzan version of Junt, Junk, in my opinion... Right. ...named, uh, is good. is because Lingering Souls exist. Like we, you know, there are other cards we've mentioned. Gavany Township is insane with Lingering Souls. Right. Uh, their entire archetypes, black-white tokens, is a deck, and purely off of the back that Lingering Souls is a nuts card... Um, I mean, like, there are other token cards. We don't have Bitter Blossom on this list. Bitter right. Blossom isn't in the top 100. Yeah. It hasn't done a whole lot. Lingering Souls, on the hand, is insane. Yeah. It's been it's been good forever. And like you just said, it's good against so many things. It's mm -hmm. it's such a great main deck and sideboard card. It's, yeah, I mean, tokens, and it's good against Affinity. Well, it's good against Infect. And it's something that people always kind of forget, and one of the reasons, like, like uh, Pia and Kira Nalar is a playable card in, in this format because making 1-1 one, one Flyers is so good because it stops Infect and Affinity in their tracks. Like, it, 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 Affinity less so because they just attack into them, but it's still a wall that you're getting through. Like, in fact, can't beat Lingering Souls. It's here's, so hard for them. <laughs> here, here's something I will say. If there was another version of Goblin Electromancer, like if there was a functional reprint of Electromancer, if there was two of those that existed, I've wanted to build the Electromancer turn two into Lingering Souls, flashback Lingering Souls on turn three deck for so long <laughs> with, with Rally the Peasants. As the as like the win con, and you play like like you play like guide or Nakato on turn one, so that basically like you're like playing like turn two, I make four one ones to go along with my two two. Turn five, play a third or sorry turn uh, turn four, play a fourth land, and now I play rally the peasants, flashback rally the peasants, and attack for twelve, uh, sixteen or something, attacking for like sixteen on turn four. I've wanted to build that deck forever. The problem is the closest thing you can get is Stormscape Familiar. Um, which only reduces the black half of Lingering Souls. Or no, no, no. Stormscape Familiar reduces both halves, right? Because it's a... Or, or does it? Do you know? No. Stormscape Familiar, the blue flyer, 1-1 one, one for 2 that was in Time no, Shifted. Wait. Yeah, Stormscape Familiar. And it, was, it, it was Time Shifted? Yeah, yeah, it was Time Shifted. So it reduces it, your instants and source. Uh, it's it's uh, black spells you play and white spells you play. It costs one less to cast. Oh, I didn't know that. I know there's there's the black one that makes blue and red spells cheaper. Yeah, there was, it's the not modern legal. Stormscape. I'm pretty sure there's a reason that I could never. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is a tangent. Let's right here. This card. But oh, so nice. so here's my question for you. Lingering Souls is a white spell. Does the flashback make it black, or is it still a white spell? Still a white spell. Got it. 
Well, it's still so it still work. You could still, still play work. this on yeah. turn two, Electromancer. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make some of the other spells like. And now you're playing blue, so. Well, it's already like a zoo deck because you're already playing like Nakatl yeah, like and you all. You want a red spell that does that. No, but you're already playing Electromancer. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's cool. keep moving. All right, next card. Uh, next card on the list, Past Lingering Souls, number 16. We've been talking about it all day. Kitchen Fix. Hybrid green, white, hybrid green, white. One. This is one of the, like, oof. it's crazy how good Kitchen Fix is. And it's been good ever since standard. Yeah. Like, every format. You would think this card wouldn't be good in an internal format. Or a, a, a format the size of modern. But it's like, so good. It, like, it beats down. It gains life against burn. It blocks creatures. It goes infinite in, like, three different ways. It's an unbelievable <laughs> card, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it, and, 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 you know, as we said, once we get to the 20, like, these are all multi-deck format, multi-format all-stars. Yeah. Like, multiple decks play Kitchen Finks. Multiple. Like, I remember back in the day when people were debating between Kitchen Finks and Garrosh Messenger at a Junt. Yeah. And it's just like, obviously Kitchen Finks was the correct choice because I haven't seen a Garrosh Messenger seed play in a long time. This card is very good. Like, this I, card I, like, is insane. Like, good with Gavity Town. Like, all the things we just mentioned with Lingering Souls, Kitchen Finks times two. <laughs> like, yeah. On top of that, Birthing Pod. On top of that, Collected Company. Like, it's good against Burn. It's like, just really good. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean yeah. It's I mean again. Good against lightning bolt. <laughs> it's funny that as we as we get closer and closer to the top of this list, there's gonna be I feel like less and less to say about the cards because we've talked about them so much. Um, so I guess we'll move on to number fifteen. Um, Bob Mayer's Invitational card, Dark Confidant. All right. One black, one colorless, two one human wizard at the beginning of your upkeep. Reveal the top card of your library if it's you and you put that card in your hand and lose that much life equal to its casting cost so so something on dark confidant and kind of in reference to like the cranial plating affinity and and the way things are rated really people should take these as 10 blocks like yes we're counting them down we're saying this one's slightly better than this one in that group of 10 but like when it comes down to it the 10 cards in this section of the top are like all insane like, every one of them. Every totally one of them. Totally nuts. <laughs> like, all, like every single card, I'm just like, oh yeah, this card's so good. They're all just like good stuff. Cards. We talk about, you know, we've been talking about the the cycle of two drops. So this is the black one. And yeah. he's really good. And the, uh, uh, the other ones that are legal in the format are all higher than him. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so like, two man, like he draws you cards in Junt. He's the reason you have still have gas in Junt. He's your card draw engine. He's very good. He's been a little... Um, less played the last year or two i think he's still really good in jund as jund has become better he's better um also there's a point where he fell out a little bit of favor because silengar not silengar uh tassiger became the premier um like four drop card draw engine top end to dredge or to to jund and or junk when junk was better than jund yeah um and he fell out by the wayside because of that reason but since kind of uh, Kalidus came in to play and, and, and Pia and Kieran Nalar were there and then soon to be maybe this Neutrandra or other cards. He's kind of come back in favor because of the fact that you're no longer doming yourself for nine. <laughs> yeah, right. That definitely makes a huge difference. I've seen people play Asylum Visitor recently, which is exciting. I think that card's awesome. Yeah, that card's and really good. And I think I think we'll see more and more play as time goes on just from the fact that like in Liliana Mirrors, it kind of breaks it open. Yeah, um, I think so too. All right. Um, let's it, continue yeah. down the list to number 14. Cord of Calling. Now, you put this card at 14. I think you actually put it at 13 originally, but I think I moved it one spot. Um, I Here's the deal. All right, go Everything ahead. that Coco does, Cord of Calling has been doing since the beginning of the format. Everything that Birthing Pod did, Cord of Calling was right next to it doing it for, since the beginning of the format. Not, this is the best Not tutor. when Birthing Pod was legal. Yeah, it was. Birthing Pod played four Cord of Calling, four Birthing Pod. Really? Yeah, the entire time. 
God, I guess I just have a hard I have like, selective like memory the, or something. The thing is, it's always overshadowed by some other card that seems like the bigger thing because there's always a more powerful thing. But consistently, time and time again, like that deck exists. That is a core calling deck. Every card that's been added to it is just like the supplemental. This is the value engine that's going to be the more powerful, flashy thing. But core calling, like makes every one of those decks possible. And on top of that, it makes the Kiki Core decks possible. Like, all of those Kiki-Jiki versions that are still around are possible. Now with Eldrick Evolution, like, Cord and Eldrick Evolution and the Kiki is, like, the new spin on that. And Coco's not in that deck. Cord is going to be in these kind of decks forever. It's the reason Wall of uh, Roots is even on this list, is this card. It's true. Like, this card is... It's the best tutor in the format. By, like, on our list and, like, I would argue it for days. Yeah, it's good. It's really it's really hard to find good t- good uh, creature tutors in modern. Though they seem to be printing more and more of them now. To, uh, Traverse the Ovenwald and Eldritch Evolution to go with yeah. this. And it puts it into play. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like, if, if this put it in your hand, it still would be really, really, really good. <laughs> it puts it in the play. It's appropriately costed, too. It's a, well, it's a well-balanced yeah, card. It really, it's, it's, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just, yeah, it's very powerful. All right, number 13, uh, the premier removal spell for Jund. Um, uncounterable, black, green, instant. It is Abrupt Decay. Abrupt Decay that uh, can't hit Master of Waves, can't hit Leyland of Sanctity. <laughs> well, it's interesting <laughs> because literally the modern format is made out of four drop three fours because Abrupt Decay and Lightning Bolt together. Like, Glenn, in, in the first couple episodes of the podcast, we talked about Birthing Pod and how much worse it would have been as a card if it was just three mana. Yeah, it's true. Like, if it was a three-mana card that you lost to life when it came into play, like, or just a three-mana card that didn't lose you life, it would have been a way worse card in the format because Abrupt Decay would kill it. Yeah, dead The fact right. that, like, just Abrupt Decay kills so many things below three-mana, and it was kind of the interesting play with uh, Splinter Twin. It was always kind of the opposite argument to the, the argument we made time and time again. Like, Splinter Twin made it so three-drop sorcery spells were unplayable, but Abrupt Decay, or three or more drop spells, Abrupt Decay made three or below drop spells so unplayable. And I think that's why... Like, Knight of the Reliquary is so low. I think that's why three drops specifically have such a huge problem. Yeah. Because two drops and below, Abrupt Decay kills, but you're kind of equidistant on how much mana is spent on it. Yeah. And four drops aren't killed by Abrupt Decay. So, like, three drops are the one spot where they're coming ahead on mana, they're coming ahead in value. And yeah. so if you're not getting immediate value off your three drop in a big way, you're just going to get blown out by either Abrupt Decay or Lightning Bolt in a and, that, and that's a problem. That, yeah. like, that hurts the format. That hurts you. Big time. Hurts um, that card from seeing play in the format. Let's just stick with the uh, <laughs> giant Abzan Jund, the Abzan Jund package here of the second <laughs> tier, which is next card, number 12, the best Planeswalker in the format, Liliana of the Veil. You guys might be a little surprised. This is only number 12. I'm not even thinking about it. It's even a little low. But uh, the cards at the top are just ridiculous, so... Liliana of the Veil. You moved this to 12. What? <laughs> you moved this to 12. Oh, it was like number nine, I think, when you made the list. But there's a couple yeah. things that I just thought had to be higher. Um, yeah, I mean, Liliana of the... Yeah, the things that are higher make sense to be higher. This is... Liliana of the Veil at number 12 is like... When you th- when you guys hear the 11 cards ahead of it, you're going to be like, yeah, that's... I can't really argue that hard. <laughs> um, it's the best Planeswalker. It's everything we talked about. Karn, but it's the best card in Innistrad. Well, it's the second best card in Innistrad. Um, it's... Just good, right? This, I mean, three mana, three mana planeswalkers have been heralded as incredible, largely on the back of this card, right? This is the best three mana planeswalker. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. This is the best planeswalker in modern. It's the I, second I, best planeswalker I, ever. Yeah. 
So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is the best three mana planeswalker. Uh, I, I I guess like Dak Faden in in vintage is probably better there than Liliana is here. But you're stealing Moxes in vintage. <laughs> yeah, Dak's awesome. I mean, I I love the design on some of these new ones. I I love uh, I love Doretti in Conspiracy. Oh, all, the new, all the new Conspiracy ones are so. Kai Ghost Assassin is one of the cooler cards I've ever played against. It does so many interesting things all by itself. The uh, the blue the blue red um, Sahili Rye I think yeah. it's called uh, three drop. Sahili is awesome. Looks awesome. We're go infinite all the time. But back to Liliana. This is I, I've gotten my best placements off Liliana on the back of this card. I mean like it, it, the best one was in Legacy when I was dark ritualing into Liliana the Veil on turn one, which is one of the most brutal things you can do to a person. But just Liliana, if she comes into play and they answer it, fine. You. Got them to discard a card, and you discarded a land, or you killed one of their creature. Liliana the Veil, if she stays in play, wins you the game by herself, period. Do you like, remember Roger Ragosa? No. From Roger, who used to play, like, Sunday Legacy at uh, Idaho? No. It wasn't even, like, really Legacy? Well, it was that, it, it was that like, era that I was playing Legacy for a while. And I played, like, I played, like, my turn one Delver with days in hand, and, like, passed. And he played, like, Swamp, Dark Ritual, Liliana, and I, like, dazed it. <laughs> it's just like this just like felt so good, <laughs> and he just like slumped in his chair so hard. Yeah, I, I learned from an early day that days out of just wait, wait a turn against yeah. against Team Delver. But no, I mean, there's not a whole lot more that can be said about this. Uh, the one last thing is, you know, the secret. We did an entire episode on this card. That's yeah. how de- defining this card is to the format. Yeah, right. um, so go listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's move on to number eleven. Um, the most ubiquitous thing in the entire format. Shocklands. The most played, the single most played variety of land. Though we have, obviously, fetch lands higher. <laughs> surprise, oh. surprise. I don't know how to... Uh, Just look up Sneepheads. Or Holothon's fine. Um, I, I, I would say maybe... So maybe fetches are more ubiquitous because they're played at a higher number. Well, but so I this think... Is, this is my... Arc- uh, originally had this as 11. I, I, I think it kind of it kept in that place. It, because... As far as land cycles, yes, we could just done fetches, then this is the top two cards. But in reality, most decks play at most five. And in reality, around, you know, like five to maybe seven, where shock lands are like, there are 12 shock lands, or uh, fetch lands in every deck, and then like five shocks. And like, yes, if we got rid of shocks, fetch lands get way worse, but th- how much you need them is less ubiquitous to me than other things. Um, and what they do is less uh, unique. Yeah. Especially with the new ones. Like, the fact that there are new ones on top of that. Mana would be way worse without Shocklands. But, like, you could still do that Shock Mana fetch base. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting. Do you think we would, at this point in the format, with those new with those new um, Shocks having... The, not Shocks, but the new Tribal... Uh, you know, the new the Searchable Lands, the ones from Battle, mm-hmm. Tangle Lands. If the second half of the Tangle Lands are printed and you ban Shocklands... Do you think that the format would get worse? Do you think people would play less mana bases with like, or do you think it would just kind of turn into what standard was, which is just like a lot of like, a lot of like simpler mana bases with like a decent enough amount of basics, a lot of fetches, and then those new lands? I have no idea. I can't. I can't predict what that world would look like. That's such a massive change to the format that it's hard for I think for anyone to say what that would look like. Um, let's move to on. Business. All right. To uh, yeah. Were you about to sing the Mulan song yeah. to defeat the Huns? Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> Comes up a lot. I've I've even sang that song in interviews with like famous people. Yeah. Like no, everyone loves that song. Everyone loves that song. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I think it 
it's on my list of like top three Disney songs ever. And that the be a man, yeah, that yeah. one, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, before we do, we're at our top ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna post on Twitter that we're. I'm gonna post the list, and then we're gonna open this pack. No um, top ten. Yeah, I think we should open it to break oh, up before the top before 10? the okay. top ten. Yeah, while I, while we post this, um, should we pause really quickly? Yeah, I think we're fine. Well, let's pause it so we okay. don't just waste people's time. Oh yeah, yeah, on the on the top ten cards in modern. All top, top, top ten ever. Wow. wow. Okay, we're talking. <laughs> we're, we've we've just done ninety cards. We're a little exhausted. We're a little tired. But here we are. We're on here the final for you, 10. people on the podcast, on the live stream, on the internet, in the room. There's no one in the room. Uh, all right. Number 10. Number 10. Starting with. I wonder what's going to be. A zero one green creature for oh. one mana yeah. with exalted. Is the it taps for green, blue, or white. <laughs> Commonly played in many decks. Called. Hierarch. No one understands. It's Noble Hierarch. Noble Hierarch. I <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. All right. Ben's Batman voice is unimpressive for a guy named, whose last name is, all, for all intents and purposes, Batman. <laughs> Noble Hierarch is the defining mineral elf of the format. It's like we have Birds of Paradise lower. I mean, like, Infect. You want to talk about the Infect card you want in the top 10. Here's your Infect card in the top 10. It's in Abzan Company. It was in Birthing Pod. Since the beginning of this for every type of Bant deck, if there's a Knight of the Reliquary, you're probably seeing one of these guys. If you're seeing Collecting Company, you're probably seeing... Like, this card, format-defining, I, I like to say that there is a one-drop for each color that is, like, the thing that represents that color in the format of Magic, and Noble Hierarch is green's one-drop. So you have if you without in that to that. Well, we'll talk about the other four as we continue because those are all they're all in the top ten. Oh, oh, you don't, you don't mean a creature? You don't no, mean no, a no, no. They're like one mana spell that represents the that color. represents the color. I thought you were talking like red would be would have been goblin guy. If it's creatures, it'd be green is Noah Hierarch, red is goblin Guide. blue, blue is, Delver. is Delver, black is. Does black even have a one drop that gets played? Viscerous here. Yeah, it'd be Viscerous. Yeah, it would be. That's exactly what it is. Viscerous here. And white is... Mother of Prince. Um. <laughs> yeah. White uh, is... Soul... Soul's Attendant. <laughs> soul's Attendant. Oh, Step Links? Yeah. No, that's like not... That's not it's real. It's not real, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> Noble Hark. It's sweet. Let's move on. Um, okay. So this is... This is... You, you kind of forced me... I think this is what you switched with the Leon, actually. Well, I, I felt that this card needed the respect that you weren't giving it. And that's number nine, I feel guys. Like it deserved is, to be right at, right at 19 next to Birthing Pod. But, okay. <laughs> that, this is so much more of a dominant card. Guys, Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin won the first <laughs> modern Pro Tour. I should Splinter Twin continued winning Pro Tours. Its win percentage of, as a deck, its win percentage across it's, the board was the, so high for so long. It's like the so Michael long. Jordan... And like birthing pot is the Kobe Bryant of yeah for so I made a long reference guys <laughs> we should all be so proud of me and there's a lot that's changed if you've listened to our top ten episodes things have sort of evolved because we had this unwillingness there was like an unwillingness on my end to put cards that didn't feel intrinsically powerful onto lists um and Kessler's argument was always like if it's made an impact on the format then it deserves to be on the list so that's kind of what happened on our top ten red cards episode you'll notice that Deceiver Exarch and Pestermite did not make the list. Fact. Scalding Tarn has won every modern pro tour. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Um, well, it's good it's on our list. Um, <laughs> uh, Splinter Twin to me is just, it is, it to me represented so much of what I thought was great about modern for so long before the banning, which is why I think an unbanning could be, it could be healthy at some point, it just depends. But it's a sorcery speed, do nothing, four drop that just combos with other cards in the format to create the ultimate win condition. 
but just so happened to combo with cards that fit the bill of flash speed three mana that it was like you couldn't win before turn four unless you spirit guided. But like, no, you couldn't. You couldn't spirit guide. You, you could win up before turn four if you played a bird of paradise. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So you could win on turn three, but it like took you to a jump lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah. I just always thought Splinter Twin was the card, and so to me, on every level, Splinter Twin deserves to be very high. It doesn't deserve to be the top card or top three or four, but the cards ahead of it all have a very, very, very clear claim to fame. Sure. So Splinter Twin at number nine feels fair to me. All right, number eight, and this is this is a a very obvious shoe-in for the blue one-drop spell. As we have as said... As sad as I am that it's not preordained, we got Serum Visions. This is one blue, draw a card. What's your common... What's, scry two. What's your common thing you like to say? It's not the hero that we need, this hero we It's do. Batman. It's, it is literally as bad as... Serum Visions. I'm Serum I'm, I'm better than you. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do Batman. Do, do Serum Visions. Say Serum Visions is Batman. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, Serum Visions is the hero we deserve, not the one we want. Yeah. I think is what I say. There's a, there's a better way of saying that. Whatever. All right. Basically, it's the best cantrip in the format. It should be Preordain. I talked very recently about how I think Preordain. Uh, Serum Visions leads the format to be more aggressive because it is much better earlier. So you want to be the things that you're doing it to have a better effect earlier in the game. Yep. Versus Preordain, which is a card that lets you play it later and have an effect off of it that's powerful. Yep. Um, but beyond that, it's obviously really good. It's a four of, and like it took a long time for people to realize that you should just be playing four of this if you're playing blue. Period. Like you're just probably wrong for not playing four of this card. Yeah. Um, also, it's it's a card that has been talked about a lot. It's like more decks should just play Serum Visions to just play it. Like not even decks that are like trying to fill their graveyard or like set their library. It's just like it just makes your usually just makes your game plan better. Like yeah. generally speaking. Um, all right, number seven. Moving down. This is the, the list. this is the highest affinity card on the list. And a favorite of one player in this room. <laughs> and proof I that we are have, that. It may be our unofficial mascot of the podcast. Spellskite. <laughs> Spellskite. Is that your. Yeah. Spellskite is bad? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> There's not uh, even a metaphor there. Spellskite didn't make number one, guys. Are you surprised? Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, Spellskite obviously is great. Um, beyond Ben's infatuation with it, it's the best sideboard card in the format. Every deck plays it. You should play two of them in every sideboard, period. I don't think it was on your top ten artifacts list. Or if it was like number nine or something. It was like number nine. It's so funny looking yeah. back on that. It's so the number a seven um, all-time modern there card. There is a Mad Magic where I tell everyone that they should pick them up at $2. And I was right. <laughs> They're like 40 now? Yeah. Like forty now, yeah, it's unbelievable. The card's just sweet. The cards, the reason the card's Stop so good so in modern, many things. yeah, as a main deck card, it's it's a little less good than it used to be with without Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin was the ultimate, just like ha 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 ha. I have spells can in play. You need to do something better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's also still really good against Infect. It still is really good against aggro deck. That's good against Burn. It's a zero four for two that has an insane ability that can be played yeah. in. Any it's good deck. affinity. It's good against Boggles. There's so many things that it's like decent against, and there's something that's great with Boggles. Yeah. Not Noggles. Look at you all grown up. Uh, um, let's uh, you know, let's one day they'll bring Noggles back. Yeah. The donkey people of Florowin. <laughs> and, and they'll do something. Spellskite. There's only one Boggle in Boggles. <laughs> Spellskite's one of my five favorite cards ever printed. Let's continue moving down the list to the best creature ever printed, in my opinion. Even though it's not as high on this list because we could not come to the consensus ranking, Snapcaster Mage. 
Yeah, you can't, every card above Snapcaster Mage is better than... I mean, like, it's not... Yeah, no. I mean, Snapcaster Mage is great. We don't have to argue how good... Like, the problem with the top 10 list is all these cards are just like, yep, those, that's just, like, the best card. <laughs> like, if all the other cards weren't in the format, this is probably... Like, one of these cards would just be the best card. Every one of these could be the best if there wasn't the ones better than it. Snap is insane. <laughs> Snap is it, the versatility it offers in, 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 its, in its cost. The ability to flash in a 2-1 beater on turn 2 if you don't feel the need to hold on to it for late game. The fact that it's a wizard. The fact that it um, it just combos so well with so many things. It's such a good card. I mean, it's so good. Um, and this was not a card people missed. This was this was Tiago Chan's uh, invitational card, and when this card was spoiled, people went nuts. This was right in the beginning when it was first spoiled. Mm -hmm. it, now the thing was, things are different now when cards are spoiled because Modern exists. When Snapcaster was spoiled, I don't think Modern existed yet. I think that was right before Modern's inception. So it was sort of like in standard, this probably will be really good, but in Modern, year before, yeah, maybe. It sounds like right around that time that Modern was Modern was made. Like I think Modern became a format like right around the same time. Modern came a format right before RTR block came out. And that's right. You're correct. So, in, yeah, Innistrad yeah, was right, right before. Yeah, yeah. So, when you see this card for but, standard... But, but I mean, like, Stoneforge... Mis or it's not, uh, Snapcaster Mage was, like, a legacy staple, obviously. And legacy, at this point, also... Like, the magic community wasn't big enough where legacy was as unattainable as it is now. Um, or, like, was basically a format that couldn't be supported as it is now. So, like... Snapcaster Mage was very obviously just like, oh, this card's bonkers. Yep. This card's very good. And this is also, you're forgetting Extended. An old, new, this is the summer of New Extended, just ended. Yeah, right. They just changed it for that one year, that which one year, didn't which work like, at all. Didn't work yet. And Snapcaster Mage would have been great in that format, because it's really good. <laughs> so, right. continuing down the list, Snapcaster The last Caster cheat. It's the last cheat that we did. We didn't cheat on this one. Yeah. We did cheat. Number it's, five. And these are the black. This is the black one drop. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Thoughtseize slash Inquisition of Kozilek. The reason that you have to put these two cards in the same slot is because the conversation about both of them is exactly the same. Thoughtseize is better in some cases. Inquisition is better in some cases. Most of the time you see a 3-3 three, three split. It's not that often you see a full eight. You see a 3-3 three, three split, a 3-2. Rarely do they have the full eight. Sometimes you have a 4-3. Yeah. It's like... I've seen people, people do, do when people get into the format and want to go really extreme, they go four four. Like Eric when he built his deck was like, I'm going eight one like but like I'm currently in general playing four three. Oh, you like seven. I'm heavier on Thoughtseize than Inquisition. It usually depends on the format. That's the thing. Is it just it's just like some formats more that I needed more Inquisitions and I like because the format has left three drops behind a little bit with through the breach decks, like I, yeah. I needed to make sure I could handle Tron and through the breach. They're the just they're good always. They're good in your opener. It's like with Thoughtseize is like the thing you want in your yeah. opening hand the most amount of the time. Like as sideboard cards, they're great. They're a good reason to have black in your deck at all because Thoughtseize is maybe the best sideboard the option. Amount, that the exists. amount of decks that I've built where I put four Thoughtseize on the sideboard. Yeah. Like where it's just like I'm building a dredge deck and I just want to have a game plan but like yeah. on game two I need to interact and Thoughtseize is just such a decent catch all that it's worth bringing it's the, yeah it's the single best sideboard card you could ask for because it answers everything playing in the main deck yeah but it's, it doesn't answer it doesn't answer Tron that well I guess because they want to draw their things later and yeah. they will draw into them and you can't get lands the the, the you know with Splinter Twin before this is our force of will these are our this is these are force of will in days yeah in the sense that force of will is this big policeman in legacy to make sure people can't do unfair things all the time without some ramifications right thought sees is what that is in modern yep um, continuing down the list we get to number four best God, the best, best second best room path to exile <laughs> path to exile number four the white one drop spell. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Path to Exile, again, when we start getting these cup cards, we've done 100 episodes of the show. You guys have heard us talk about these cards so many times. Path to Exile is just like bonkers. It kills it's... everything. Kills everything. Kills it dead. Dead forever. There's not coming back. I, I don't think I've ever, like... The only time Path to Exile feels bad is when you cast it on a two-drop two on turn two. Right. Because, like, basically giving them target player discards a guard rampant growth doesn't feel very good. Right. <laughs> anytime after that, it's a great card. <laughs> I mean, for as much smack as we talk about white, the top 20 has... Path to Exile, the top 20 has Lingering Souls, and the top 20 has uh, Kitchen Fix. But I would, Kitchen Fix is also half a green card. Like, if, if Lingering Souls white is good was because taken of out of the format, flashback often. Yeah, like, those are two gold cards. So yeah. there's one one white card in the top Straight 20. White card. Yeah, it's true. Um, um, yeah, Path to Exile. If you go in the top 30, do you think that Swords. It's still in the top 30, it's the only white card. In the top 40. It's the only white card. Do you think Path to Exile... The top 50. Do you think Path to Exile could be Swords to Plowshares in Modern, or do you think that's too good? Swords to Plowshares is... Better? Very strong. How much better? Much better. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right, continuing down the list, number three, we have the actual wait, best wait, creature sorry. on the list. I, I still haven't found another straight-up white card, and I'm in the top 60. <laughs> 70... Number three, the <laughs> actual best creature wow. on the list, Tarmogoyf. Yep. Best creature ever printed by most people's estimation. We've talked yep. about Tarmogoyf and told the story. It, well, and, and it's it's the best creature ever printed that's a creature. So, like, Snapcaster Mage isn't a creature. Yeah, true. Uh, Hermit Druid's not a creature. Emrakul, for all intents and purposes, isn't a creature. It's a, I win. <laughs> so, like, for... The fact that this is the best creature ever printed that does the best creaturing, like it just it just attacks your opponent. It's a big, dirtily creature. It's a yep. vanilla card for all intents and purposes that just has a variable toughness and power. Yep. It's just the best one ever printed. It's so like other than how complicated his ability is from a like perfect card standpoint, it's like up there and how elegant it is because it's literally just a vanilla creature. It's like a French vanilla creature. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, we've told a lot of stories about this card on the cast. I've told the story plenty of times where it was in the back of my trade binder and I traded two of them away for like two bucks each in the first month. Future Sight was yeah. legal. It's well, it's crazy how this card hasn't been outclassed. Yeah, I mean, look, when you're printing a card that's usually a th a, like a four or five quickly for two, it's not a rate they want to push. Like they they'll push right. rate, they'll push three three for two, and I've and we've seen them push four five for three. Would like, would like a three four for two that. Uh, draws a card when it comes into play be better than Tarmogoyf? A 2-3? A 3-4. Oh, a 3-4 for 2. Yeah. That draws a card. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be better. Okay. I think, right? I don't know. <laughs> Tarmogoyf gets to be a 5-6 at some point and very quickly and sometimes an 8-7, eight, 8-9. Eight, <laughs> if you like go full bore and there's a tribal card somewhere. I think that a 3-4 that draws a card is better because Tarmogoyf gets thwarted so easily by Graveyard Hate, whereas like a 3-4 for 2 that draws you a card is just like, like a 3-4 for 2 that draws you a card. It seems about, like, nuts. I mean, Voice Resurgence currently isn't on our top 100 list, and it is a little bit of a 2-2 two -two for 2 that draws a card and plays a much better creature. But yeah, okay, so moving on. I'm not moving on. Tarmogoyf is just great. I mean, like all these cards are insane. I can't impress enough how like every one of these cards would destroy standard by itself. Tarmogoyf's an expensive enough card too that it's like uh, I don't know if that's true actually on Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf is I always think Tarmogoyf would be fine in standard. Tarmogoyf's the card on this list where I feel like you have it's to have been... no graveyard strategies though in the entire format. So Snapcaster at one point in modern was like 20-30 bucks. Um, 
and the lands have jumped around and they've been cheaper. But Tarmogoyf's been like $100 plus ever since the format has existed. Mm-hmm. It's been Actually, like Splinter Tomb wouldn't break standard either. Sorry, continue. Um, so Tarmogoyf's that card that if you get in, sometimes like your buddies are playing all of theirs at the tournament, you can't get Tarmogoyf. So when you finally get a playset, you can like borrow or get them to play at a tournament. It's such a sweet feeling. Oh, yeah. They're so good. It's no, just I'm like. So ha- like the fact that I have them available to me. Tarmogoyf is the, like, similar to how Force of Will is a police, Tarmogoyf is also the Force of Will of modern in the sense that Force of Will is this big barrier to playing Legacy, where if you don't have a playset, there are so many decks that are unavailable to you. Yeah. As soon as you have them, you can now play, like, half the decks in the format and, like, cheat on the lands a little bit, but yep. Force of Will is so much more important than, like, not playing with shocks. So, like, Tarmogoyf is kind of the same boat. It's like every green deck, unless you're, like very specifically on the Coco train, yeah. like should be playing Tarmogoyf. Yeah, even if you're on the Coco train, it still should be playing Tarmogoyf. Because they don't have any spells. Yeah. They don't like, it doesn't get big. Uh, number two. Now, number one and number two, I want to, uh, you know, bets on what's number one and number two. We got two possible outliers. I wonder what they are. I'm giving time for the Twitch strat. I'm not going to wait. We're going to say it in five, four, three, two, one. Fetch lands. <laughs> Look, that was cute. Yeah, we did that at the same time, guys. Uh, yeah, this is the modern format in one card. If I had to pick, like, I think there's one card I think is better, more of that, I guess, but these, like, are so representative. Of Clearly, one. there's one card that's more. <laughs> yeah. um, the number one card in the history of the modern format. Yeah, I, I mean. wonder what it is. What one card have we not talked about? What's the least played? Core fire what's the least played fetch land? Is it uh, Arid Mesa, Marsh Flats, Red Blue? No, that's. <laughs> uh, you mean the most played I, I think, one ever? I think it's easier to rate. So I think red blue is the best one. I think actually green black is the best fetch land, followed by red blue. Oh, Bloodstained Mire is the least played, I think. That's the black I think red black one. red is the least played. Jun plays it, though. Jun plays some. I think it's red white. Arid Mesa? Yeah, Arid Mesa. It's more expensive than red green, though, because of the. Because of the set? Set, yeah. Um, yeah, no. I mean, the fetches. Make everyone's mana possible and makes the format surround this three format thing with Shocklands. It's kind of this perfect world of like, you can't be too greedy because burn will just wreck people if you get too greedy. Yep. Um, it, I do think that they're in general unhealthy to the format in some ways. And I think, I don't think, I think modern would maybe be better without them um, in the sense that I think just the variety of what mana bases would look like would be different. And that'll allow people to be able to play the format a little bit more easily because they wouldn't have to only have these types of lands to play it. Um, and on top of that, I think it would make it so two-color decks were a little bit stronger because getting to three would be a bigger cost. Um, and the amount of shuffling that happens every tournament is very high. Um, but I don't think they're ever going away. I think that's just a not path. One of the reasons I don't like Blood Moon is because I think it makes you also have to play with fetches mm. because you're incorrect by not doing so because you can't respond and get a basic with the fetch now. You have to just have the non-basic land you're playing. And so it kind of puts you in that dichotomy. Um, but, you know, they're what the format's built on. Yeah. I mean, the format wouldn't really exist without them. It would just be a different format. It, things would feel drastically different. I don't know how different they'd be. Like, the th- it, the how dominant three-color decks would probably be the biggest change. Yeah. We'd see a lot more two-color decks kind of doing their thing. Hmm. Well, speaking of two-color decks and many of them that play red, uh, the most played <laughs> card in the modern format, the most discussed card, <laughs> the most discussed card on this podcast, the card that we use as our icon, if you guys didn't see it coming, 100 cards away, <laughs> Lightning Bolt is the best card in the history of the modern the format. The format is defined by it. I mean, like, every creature 
lives in, and it's like, same as Abrupt Decay. Like, when I mentioned Abrupt Decay mattering about the fact that X4s, or uh, that, like, makes three drops unplayable, three drops that don't have four, like, creatures that don't have four toughness are also that same level. Like, all the four drops that you see play have to have four toughness or have to come in with getting value. The only one I can think of is Olivia, and she only works because she can come out on turn six and become a four drop uh, an X4 in response to them kind of responding. Um, or other, like here in Pyramid, you get two one ones out of it. So like your lightning bolt is less valid. The reason Lingering Souls is so good is because it's a four drop. It's a three drop that makes two, like it's a two two that you pay that lightning bolt's terrible against. Like, yeah, I mean, lightning bolt is, yeah, it's the definitive card. Like you, so, so much of the time, um, that's why things that cost two mana need to be so good because if it costs three mana and it gets killed by lightning bolt, it's not playable. It's just it sucks. Like it's not it's not impossible. That's not true. Like I think the new Thalia is a card that's a three drop that's playable even with this lightning bolt. And I know everyone on a rant when we reviewed it. Yeah, about but that. think about then think about when you start to get up to four drops. Like it's four drops are yeah, yeah. you have to survive lightning bolt or you you have to gain value in a way that makes the fact that they lightning bolt you not as big of a deal. Yeah, so like, like Huntmaster gets you a two two and Kieran two gets life you two one ones. The yeah um, flyers the the. Kalidus is a 3-4. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, it's kind of on that range. Like, Planeswalker is kind of... You get, some, you get an survive, activation. You get an activation. Like, so many of it is, like, can you survive Lightning Bolt? And that's the format. It's the best card in the format. All these other cards, like, exist around the ecosystem. Like, that's why Kitchenfinks is so good. Kitchenfinks survives Lightning Bolt. <laughs> yeah. Snapcaster Mage is so good because it buys back Lightning Bolt. Like, all these cards... Like, you can even argue that, like, we have Serum Vision... Not Serum Visions. Um... What's your other serum visions? The thoughts Slide of hand. Thoughts are so high because it can mill lightning bolt so that you can snap snapcaster mage the lightning bolt that you milled with thought scour. Like it, the format is so built around spite spellscape is as good as it is because it's a counter to lightning bolt. Bolt snap bolt. I mean, what more yeah. do you need to say? Um, so yeah, that's that's like that's like theoretically, if we didn't name this podcast Masters of Modern because that name was conveniently available. Yeah, like bolt snap bolt is not the worst name for a modern podcast or like. Yeah. Website or content creation place. Like, yeah, Bolt Snap Bolt. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Let's um, copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of you steal it on the live chat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that we counted the 100 cards. I'm going to go nap for an hour. I know. I'm so tired um, now. That was it, that, guys. Yeah, beyond that, like, more on our podcast and uh, how happy we are. Like, thank everyone. First off, Everyone on the live stream right now, thank you everyone who has listened to an episode at all ever since this podcast has started. I started this with Glenn Jones two years ago. Ben jumped on, you know, three weeks into it, four weeks into it. Something like that. For the first time. And, like, I just wanted to talk about modern. I love talking about magic. That's why I kind of created this. Um, It was kind of a creative outlet. And, like, you know, you guys seem to enjoy it. You guys seem to keep wanting us to keep talking about stuff. Um, we love playing modern. We love playing magic. We love talking about magic and we hope you guys enjoy what we're doing. Um, hopefully in year two, uh, we'll be expanding in cool directions, kind of trying to to do some new stuff, um, and see what cool stuff we can come up with. The YouTube channel will be growing. Please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I think actually I like streaming on YouTube more than Twitch through this podcast, just because it lets us build a following in a place that we're also doing other stuff versus, um, Twitch, which, Screwed us today, so screw them. <laughs> no, we love Twitch, but yeah, it was definitely a bummer. Uh, um, yeah, guys, I, I, I second everything Kessler just said, and, and he, 
while Kessler definitely created this um, b- before I was on board, I really feel that the last 90-some-odd episodes we've done together, we've sort of we found our we found our groove, we found our stride. We've tried some things that have been more successful, some things that have been less. Um, we always want to know from you guys what you want to see from us going forward. There's there's definitely uh, room to grow, and we're going to be taking this in some new directions. Um, we've tried some things out. If you guys want to see more magic, if you want to like hear about more practical games, more pro interviews, uh, maybe po- possibly more of a tournament report format, anything, you guys should really let us know what you like because that's ultimately the next hundred. What, what the show is going to end up being is, is, is more of a response to that. I mean, we can do top tens and set reviews all we want, but ultimately we love talking about magic and it helps know what you guys want to hear. Yeah. So that's definitely an important thing for us. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today and, and, and walking through the whole top hundred with us. We tried hard to, to make the list reflective of the way we feel about the format and, and really um, make sure we didn't misassign cards too, too greatly. I think there was probably a couple couple whiffs but nothing too too crazy for us um i think the, I think the biggest ink I moth think, nexus ink moth nexus it's the biggest one yeah, yeah i'll agree with you. Planning could have been a little higher and there's some like there's like i'm very i'm very confident in most of our tens yeah like all like these 10 cards belong here i'm not convinced on the exact order of some of those tens so please take them more as blocks of cards in Pro- some probably cases. ink moth deserve to be like 20 plus slots higher yeah, yeah the ink moth is like a thing that we like swung in the wrong direction yeah and like I think that probably happened when we were just trying to get everything into it. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, once again, thanks everyone. Um, thanks guys. Yeah, that was awesome. Did we do the falls. On no, do the whole thing. Uh, follow us the M- at the MMCast on Twitter. Find the MMCast on Facebook. Patreon.com slash the MMCast. You can find MMCast pretty much everywhere. This Twitch channel that didn't work for us today. The MMCast. Subscribe on YouTube. You can find us personally. Yeah, Top Decking TV. I'm at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at Kess Wiley uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Sony PlayStation Network, <laughs> everywhere, uh, and and actually and and Twitch. I do have a Twitch stream that I've been uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy X uh, like twice a week and kind of running my way through that, which is basically it's basically Zendikar block. It's like <laughs> the exact same storyline. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, yeah, we have follow the command zone. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Yeah, and, and thank yous to all of the guests, all of the pros, yeah, yeah. everybody that's come on. I mean, just un- unbelievable stories. Thanks to Wizards. I mean, we're finally, we'll have a spoiler card this week. That's awesome. Make yeah. sure to come check us out. We'll post it at the beginning of this episode audio-wise, and we'll probably post a video separately um, because we now ended up live streaming on YouTube of the um, a separate video of us just talking to the camera, giving away the spoiler. Um, th- so make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel to kind of check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk, talk to you to soon. You guys next week. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>